No, you don't tell your competitor good luck, and we are competing with the Oscars, okay, guys? <laughs> I'm being serious. You know, again, well, I mean, I was going to say something else to start out, but I do want to say, man, y'all saw the news, right? The big news? Paddington 2? Greatest film of all time. Yeah. Yeah. People say Incredible. we don't have clout. Wrong. Every single time. <laughs> we are so culturally relevant, guys. We push things into the zeitgeist. We push actors back into the zeitgeist. Look, you, you come to us for a reason. We have our ear to the pulse. <laughs> don't pitch us anything, please. I, I, or do. Honestly, send it. What's our email again? Toughcutpod at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, send us your pitch ideas. We it's also your... our social media handle. Follow us on the gram. Hell yeah. The one thing I will say, we finally, well, I say we very loosely because I finally watched the Oscars. Traitor. And, uh, <laughs> well, I bring it up because I saw a tweet that was like, uh, Glenn Close was twerking. And um, <laughs> Glenn Close literally twerked uh, to DeButt. And that's a popular, yeah, everyone go look it up. Take a moment. Look up Glenn Close twerking to DeButt. Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> So, I just hate how matter of fact you were about that. Content, so, baby. <laughs> you're welcome, guys, uh, for, for that. So that was improv, right? Wrong. Apparently that was set up, and I'm so fucking mad that Glenn Close and Lil Ray Howard would plan that shit. You gave me Glenn Close fucking Corella DeVille twerking. And it was beautiful. She was like, I know DeButt. And I'm like, yeah, you do, Glenn. And I was so attracted to her in that moment. And they just took it away from me. Jake, you said that Glenn Close is Cruella DeVille. Isn't Emma Stone Cruella DeVille? Hashtag Nuella. <laughs> <laughs> we did it, boys. We brought it back into the zeitgeist. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, we we were the ones who pitched the new Cruella. I hate to say it. Yeah. Um, what, I, what I will say, Jake, before we started recording, you said that I, I probably would think that was fake or it didn't happen. But <laughs> <laughs> what was that sound effect? What were you? <laughs> OK, um, but I, I, I that one had hit, that one had hit my my radar. That because I wasn't willing socials? to watch. Yeah, I wasn't willing to to watch the Oscars like Jake. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I had to do research about the enemy. Yeah, us versus the Academy. The corporate sellout wouldn't sell out his morals in this in this case. Yeah, almost like Jake, who wants to work in entertainment, um, <laughs> aspires to receive the largest award someone in that industry can. That's yeah, crazy. the, the, the toughies, the toughy. The the cutie. We'll figure what, out what's a name of it by the name? end of this. I kind of like the cuties. The tough cuties. I don't know. I like it. I'm picking up. Bad press with that uh, Netflix documentary, though. Oh, oh, God. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> not because the documentary was bad. It it appropriate. Well, we're not talking about cuties. That's not the purpose of this podcast. <laughs> I still want to talk about cuties, man. We will talk about documentaries, though. Oh, we should introduce ourselves. We skipped that whole part, huh? Yeah. Well, <laughs> hello and welcome. <laughs> We're the Tough Gut Podcast. Uh, if you've gotten here by accident and listened this far, that's who we are. I'm Matthew. I'm puppy lover Alex. I love dogs. That's my title this week. Oh, that's a good title. I'm Jake and I don't have a title. That's my title. 
And this is episode 15, part two of our Oscar season bracket. <laughs> oh, it's our quinceanera. Anyway, good for our quinceanera. Yeah, what, what, is, what does Oscar season mean? What does it mean? Uh, yeah, guys, we're in Oscar season. We're going through and we're doing our best picture picks because the Academy's fucking bullshit and I hate them even more than I usually do. We can get into that in my private socials. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, we're going down for our picks where we thought, you know, we want to see these movies win the coveted best picture. And we have some exciting ones in our second half of the bracket, guys. What do we got? We do. We've got My Octopus Teacher going up against Sonic the Hedgehog, and we've got another round going up against Sound of Metal. Who did pitch Sonic? Who did pitch it? You'll find out soon. Um, But, of course, uh, spoiler warning for all of these movies, we're going to be talking about them, uh, so you better be ready to hear about them. Also got a content warning on another round and Sound of Metal for substance abuse and reference substance abuse. Just watch out for it. Should I start us off with my octopus teacher? Go for it. (laughs) All right, guys, we got the Netflix documentary, my octopus teacher filmed in 2020 release or released in 2020 filmed in 2010. That's fun. Yeah. A long, long time in the making directed by uh, Pippa Ehrlich and James Reed. Uh, It follows Craig Foster as he swims in the same South African kelp forest for a year and befriends a, the cutest, cuddliest little octopus in the whole dang world. You've said that about so many animals at this point. I'm jaded. (laughs) We had a whole animal bracket, but now we've got real animals. We've got real animals. They're so cute. Yeah, two of them. We have Sonic. (laughs) Yeah, we're rehashing our animal protagonist bracket. So with the big, big surprise picker for Sonic the head or no, what'd you guys think about this movie? I'm getting ahead of myself. Why do you pick this movie, Alex? <laughs> I got even more ahead of myself. I picked this documentary because I just thought it was fun. I feel like documentaries, you know, at the Oscars, there's the whole like best documentary uh, award. And I feel like because of that, they never get considered for larger interest or nominations or anything like that. So, yeah, I thought this was a fun one. I like animals. Yeah. I mean, in a similar vein, the thing I wanted to say with my first uh, fun fact, this is one that I haven't seen before and isn't problematic. So, yay! I've done it. I've done it. (laughs) Or or hopefully problem. I I don't know. Maybe like in 10 years, it'll be released that it was a snuff film. I really don't know anymore. (laughs) (laughs) He killed that octopus. (laughs) Well, I mean, actually, I do have some thoughts about it, but we'll get into it. I just really want to say that I love that a documentary was picked here. I mean, another great instance of like film expanding beyond like typical narrative, like convention. There are absolutely some beautiful documentaries out there from past years that definitely could have contended at least for best picture throughout the years. Ones that come to mind, like Free Solo um, and Inconvenient Truth, no matter how you stand about it, that's like, you know, it's it's polarizing. Uh, Amy, 13th, like, I don't know. There are just some beautiful documentaries out there that I genuinely think should have been nominated for Best Picture, but they just don't because, I don't know, that's just not a thing. So shout out to Alex for picking a documentary. I'm excited to talk about it. One of four movies I watched this year. <laughs> to talk about my octopus teacher though uh, i also hadn't seen this movie but i i quite enjoyed it it is such a 
just a, a dude diving in the ocean with a little, <laughs> I think, what is it like a GoPro, a little hand camera. And it just looks so beautiful. So fantastic. Octopus becomes very friendly. They develop such a powerful relationship and maybe he did learn a thing or two. Yeah, it, it was, <laughs> it was really enjoyable. Uh, and I, I very much agree with Jake on the perspective of documentaries shouldn't just be considered for documentaries. Uh, we shouldn't pigeonhole them in that way. They can be, they should be best picture contenders as well. And they are for the award show that matters. This one. Hell yeah. <laughs> and it's not going to be cuties because Matthew made me think of that awful, awful. <laughs> the documentary itself not bad. Yeah, yeah. Hey, who pitched Sonic? Who pitched Sonic? <laughs> who did it? We'll give you a we'll give you a hint, guys. Hop. 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 <laughs> That's a reference to our very first bracket. So if you haven't listened to it, go do that now. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking stop what you're doing. Guys, it's time. It's time to reveal who pitched Sonic. James Marsden, come on out. <laughs> What's up, James? <laughs> How are you doing? That's not how he sounds, right? That's not, no, it's not. Not in the slightest. I hope you voted in our Twitter poll, um, because if you're wrong, that host has to leave the show. <gasps> and we we don't know the results until next week, so we'll find out later. Oh, God, it's gonna be me. <laughs> the truth comes out. I pitched Sonic. Hell yeah. No. Wow. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> released in 2020 one of the last movies before the unleashing of the pandemic that has ravaged the world the last film that all of us saw in theaters I believe directed by Jeff Fowler Sonic the Hedgehog you do mean the film ravaged the world right is that what you were saying yeah it it, it, it did it caused some serious <laughs> destruction um Borat claimed that it started the pandemic, but I blame Sonic. <laughs> there actually, there's a line in there that tipped me off to the truth, but we'll get to it. Oh no, I'm so scared. Wow, I'm so scared. <laughs> <laughs> Based on one of the most notoriously great and simultaneously terrible video game franchises of all time, yep, yep, yep. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie uh, follows that speedy blue hedgehog as him and his newly anointed best friend, Tom, played by James Marsden himself. As they must battle the nefarious and remarkably well acted Dr. Robotnik and his plans <laughs> for world domination. Wow, we Sonic the Hedgehog was in the Oscars bracket and you have me to thank for it. <laughs> Why did I pick this movie? <laughs> the same host, mind you, who brought who brought you The Godfather Part 2, who brought you Paddington 2, has now brought his winner for the third bracket, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> I think this movie truly is deceptively good. It had literally no business being a good film in any capacity and i don't just mean good as in like oh it's so bland yet watchable i mean like enjoyable to watch it shouldn't have even been that the dedication to the craft that the crew had in fixing this film for the fans of the sonic <laughs> franchise who are sometimes notoriously awful people 
Yeah. <laughs> when will you learn? When will you learn? Consequences and consequences. To pull off what this movie did is so incredible, is worthy of praise. And what's more than that, I believe the Oscars changed their contention <laughs> rules just so they could justify putting other movies in. You eliminate the need to have a theatrical release. Oh, so you can put in all these movies that were straight to streaming? Okay, yeah, well, Sonic got released in theaters. Eat your heart out, industry, movie industry. Sonic <laughs> is in the Top Cut Oscars. <laughs> industry, eat your heart out, industry. <laughs> yeah, industrialization, eat your heart out. <laughs> I, yeah, I fucking believe it, dude. Uh, Alex, what do you think of this movie? Um, I'm going to be completely honest. I just Googled a picture of the before and after of the animation of Sonic. It is stunning how truly terrible he looked before they fixed it. It is, it is an eldritch abomination. Um, I really enjoy this movie. Uh, I think there are some incredibly funny moments. Jim Carrey goes absolutely balls to the walls and is so, so funny in this movie. Uh, it's it's absurd. Yeah, I had a great time. In the spirit of this movie, 2020, this was the last movie I saw in theaters. Fully. And I am someone who I love going to the movies. It was like my beautiful thing. I was so excited for this movie to be good or bad. I didn't really care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't give a shit. In celebration of this movie and what it meant to us, and also for another round, which will be coming up, I want to reveal a little drink and uh, that I want to share with the audience. For those who are of the legal drinking age, for wherever you're listening, uh, we made a drink during Mardi Gras. We lived in New Orleans, right, Matthew? I, I, I'm a bit of a, a, a cocktail connoisseur. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> you should phrase yourself as that before this. Yes. <laughs> and and this, this, will, this will blow your mind. So this was a, a brainchild of the group of people I lived with. With me at the helm is sort of the, the lead mixologist on this one. We created a drink that we simply called Sonic Speed. <laughs> there are listeners out there that I know have had it before and they're cringing. Like they, all their intestines, intestines just shriveled up inside. <laughs> the the recipe is 1.5 liters of 190 proof grain alcohol. Your diesel, your Everclear. That's 90% alcohol by volume. <laughs> A gallon of Hawaiian punch, blue Hawaiian punch, Sonic, of course. Uh, for anyone out there who knows what Mad Dog is, an entire <laughs> entire bottle of blue raspberry Mad Dog. For the uninformed, it is blue raspberry flavored wine. Is it? To call it wine is very generous. <laughs> Only in the Mogan David bottle. Shout out you, Mogan David. <laughs> it's technically wine. And then finally, Jake's addition. <laughs> I don't know how much he put in. 
<laughs> but a couple of bottles of five hour energy. <laughs> so here's the thing. One, those were like a those were a year old. Alex actually gave me those. Or not a year old, a couple like months old. Several like seven months. months. Several months. Several months. And you guys like we were making a sonic drink, but there was no speed involved. So I needed us <laughs> to have speed. So I had a bunch of those left over and I kept dumping them periodically throughout the week. That's crazy. That drink sat for a week before people <laughs> drank it. No, we drank, drank it over the course of a week. <laughs> okay. But did you make it right before the party or a week before that party? I'll never tell. <laughs> if I drank week old Sonic Speed that had week old, like out in the open, Five hour energies. No, it was in a drink container <laughs> that had a yeah. sealed lid. Alex, come yeah, on. Yeah, we ch- we chilled it, right? Did we put ice? Uh, we might have. I think we did at the beginning. I remember it still being there post. <laughs> I remember it still being there post Mardi Gras, and like we're just like, oh god, someone drink it. Yeah, we still had some because. I put some in my flask and I wouldn't carry it around because I was like, gotta go fast. And I would just drink it and run away from people. God, imagine the like blue ichor coming out of that flask, like the Lord of the Rings, like the orcs, like feeding, like playing the like burning liquid. Look, I have to live through the spirit of uh, the 0.05 thing, but we'll get into that. We, I think, did we have a little bit left? We did. We did yep. have some left because before Jake and I and another good friend of ours went to go see this movie, we took shots of Sonic Speed. Yeah. You said that you took shots of Sonic Speed before Sonic came out. Sonic came out <laughs> Valentine's Day weekend, uh, February 14th, 2020. Mardi Gras was 10 days later, February 25th. Sonic Speed was 11 days old when you fed it to my mouth. How dare you? It had, Alex, look, it had a liter and a half of 190 proof alcohol in it. Nothing was alive in there. <laughs> oh my it had God. 50 out 50 plus hours of energy added to it. Jesus. For those who want to revel, um, please drink responsibly, but also send us videos of you making Sonic Speed and drinking it. Uh, I want to see that. Hell yeah. We don't condone mixing five-hour energy with alcohol. Don't do that. You should exclude the five-hour energy from all legal perspectives. Yeah. (laughs) Man, okay, so here's the thing. This, my octopus teaser is just artsy Sonic, right? Or is Sonic the yes, 100%. Aren't they in the same movie? Aren't they a dude has a midlife crisis and befriends an unruly animal? Let's talk about that <laughs> shit right now. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. I so think... Okay, which movie, though, do you think has the better friendship? What's the better dynamic duo? Because I think the... I think my octopus teacher does a better job of setting up how unlikely friends they would be and then turning it into like, Oh, this animal changed his life. You know, I agree. I think the friendship, they, they give it the time to properly develop in my octopus teacher. Whereas Sonic, it's a little bit rushed of like, 
of like befriending him. Yeah, yeah. So I you agree. don't, you no. don't, you guys don't like enemies to lovers. You don't like that trope in fan fictions. But they weren't, they weren't enemies. He was just a creepy stalker who also <laughs> happens to be a little blue dude. You know, <laughs> they sort of like pseudo adopt. Yeah, he becomes their child. In my octopus teacher, there was a lot of like sensual energy too. So there was like mm-hmm. that added layer of tension. Not with Sonic though. Sonic, I feel like Sonic is just like he just fucks anything. Oh, well, or, or, or pan. I was gonna say it's either pan or asexual. And like pan or ace, pan or ace. Yeah. Well, okay. So the, I well I bring up my central point because I felt like there was like this tension, but also this like I don't know. There was a push and pull with the octopus and the and the dude that mm. was just mm-hmm. it was. It felt like porn sometimes, right? Like, it felt invasive <laughs> that I was watching it. I never felt that way with Sonic. But also, Jake, <laughs> I couldn't look away, you know? Like, how yeah. far is that octopus gonna go? That's what I wanted to see. I do genuinely think it's a remarkably intimate movie, which is really fascinating, that it by no means do they try to portray the relationship as romantic or explicitly, like, sensual but it comes off that way just from the intimacy you feel yeah. between Craig and the octopus which is really fascinating i think craig is a surprisingly like good narrator um his like testimonials i thought were so well done the way that he portrayed the way that he felt about the octopus in every moment i thought it was so well done yeah, no, I, this movie genuinely, like, the credit that I want to give it is that this is, like, really proof that we really craft our own stories and perspectives, like, because this is completely this man just Ooh. telling this story, and it feels so real, and perhaps it is, we'll never know, but, like, we don't know how o- octopi feel, you know? Yeah. And, like, it, there's something really beautiful about it, like, I don't know, you could talk about, like, with religion, like, is religion just a well-crafted story, and it just still feels beautiful to us, and, like, that's where the validity comes from? I don't know. It's, like, really, really beautiful. That's a point I hadn't really thought about, that it is essentially projecting this anthropomorphized, like, receptiveness of the octopus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On, like, onto it. Like, we we actually have no idea... It, it is purely Craig's framing of the story and how he decides to narrate his own experience that makes it feel that way. I hadn't thought about that. I'm so glad you brought that up, Jake, because I had that exact same thought as I was watching it, mostly because as I watched the movie today, my dog Bucky was curled up on my lap, literally asleep Aww. in my arms for the entire runtime of the documentary. And so like the entire time he's like asleep cradled in my arms and I'm just giving him slow pets and thinking like, does this dog love me? You know? And yeah, I have to think that he does, which makes me think that I, I have to think that this octopus cared for Craig. And by comparison, Sonic can talk. So we know Sonic <laughs> we, loves James Marston. That's we true. know Sonic loves James Marston. Wait, but Marston. that's so interesting though. Like, but is that projected also? Like is Sonic as an, like, is that a projected, you know, Sonic is a child. Sonic doesn't know. Actually, how old is Sonic? That's another question that I was going to ask. How long is the time jump between going through the ring? Well, so he's clearly, clearly young. And then he's bigger. And he refers to himself (laughs) as like, as, as a kid. Yeah, Um, right. As like the, the best. I, I don't know if he explicitly says kid, but like in the, the baseball scene. 
which if we're talking best baseball scenes in movies, Twilight it's, and it's Sonic. This and Twilight. Oh my god, I literally <laughs> was gonna say the same shit. It's this and Twilight. <laughs> Oh um, my I, god! I think he he does doesn't he he really refers to him. He's a kid, at least a teenager. He says he's the best like kid on the team, or he either like specifically says middle school or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I, and he was like fairly young. I'd like to believe he is, but okay. Like if we're talking about projectile stuff, imagine being Craig. Imagine or, or imagine being Craig, the the my octopus teacher guy, and and being this guy's family and seeing your dad. F- husband brother whatever fuck off for years and think <laughs> what like you're saying i had this connection with this octopus and like he's talking about his son Ray's like you didn't talk to your son for years <laughs> i want to address that because I, I i sort of got a little bit lost in watching my octopus teacher um and took fewer notes than i normally do but one of the ones i took a man who has a child <laughs> is quoted in this movie saying bonding with this creature was the greatest feeling uh, he had experienced in his he life. So essentially, he has a kid. <laughs> yeah, a, a man with a child, a man who got married, says the greatest feeling he's ever experienced was the bonding he felt with the octopus. <laughs> and then he has the nerve to bring his son into it in the end, and be like, "Yeah, he cared about this too." Not uh-uh. Son, I I want you, I want you to meet my second family. <laughs> That's literally what he did. Look, wasn't the entire reason they moved to the Atlantic coast because he felt he was like having problems connecting with his own family, and he just goes and fucks off to the ocean for a year to hang out with an octopus. <laughs> James Marston would never. James Marston would never. He stepped up. He's not the stepfather. He's the father that stepped up demonstrated to have a fantastic relationship with his wife in that movie. He took up three jobs. Tough Cut Podcast loves good dads. We do love good dads. So he could put his wife through school and so they could afford rent and then just save a little on the side because he's a financially responsible man. Meanwhile, Craig, what were you doing? How do you guys think Craig would have reacted if the octopus could talk like Sonic could? And he just like he swims down, rolls up on the octopus, and the octopus just looks up at him like, "Meow." <laughs> the octopus would tell him to fuck off. I think like this dude invaded this. He <laughs> hired an underwater tracker. How hard must that be? Or or do you think that the only reason the octopus goes and gets with this bigger male octopus is because Craig wasn't willing to make the jump to making it romantic. <laughs> Craig, Craig <laughs> couldn't make the leap. He couldn't commit. Aww. He couldn't he commit, commit. To, to letting her die and having their children. No, no, no shame on you, uh, Craig Foster. I, I don't actually believe you to be a necro or a bestiality. <laughs> <Necrophilia>. <laughs> uh, yeah, once that octopus died, things got serious. <laughs> Why do you think the camera didn't show more footage? Well, I guess the shark took it away. That shark. Okay, remember when like they're talking to me? Like that shark got absolutely fucked. Like that shark got. Get shit on shark, and it was the funniest thing ever. The narrator was basically saying, "Get dunked on shark, you bitch ass shark, fuck off." And like you know, which is the better boss battle, Eggman or Shark and Octopoppy? You know, like what's Eggman easy? Easy. Jim Carrey's so fucking good. I can't believe they made Sonic sarcastic, uh, sarcastic enough that they could justify why he calls him Eggman because his droids are vaguely egg shaped. 
So funny. <laughs> Speaking on villains in these films, the shark versus Eggman or Dr. Robotnik Eggman. Jim Carrey, I know we we referenced it very briefly, but I I, I do want to take the half moment here before you say your next point he does such a fantastic job and they just let it seems like let him off the leash to do whatever he wanted yeah and he is like so the shark, fun in this like role. the animals like he's literally a wild animal in this movie it's <laughs> so really fucking is. funny whoa it's crazy the dancing scene when the like so many funny jokes that like and just witty lines that i don't know if they were written or if that was him improvising and i don't know that there's any way to tell dude okay a negative about my octopus teacher i'll say it is this dude uh, i i get how he said nature should take its course or whatever but you're saying how you form this like beautiful bond with this octopus or whatever (laughs) and you you just filmed it getting fucking attacked senselessly and then afterwards said am i responsible for this what happened to her what happened to me and like this sensitive man talking about like things it felt like not to get too deep about it but it felt like white guilt it felt like the people who posted black squares on instagram Mm. and i was just like shut the fuck up craig you recorded this person being attacked and now what or this octopus. I think some of it, though, is in the framing of the name of my octopus teacher is it is to. That is like the encapsulation of what he learned from the octopus at the very end to sort of let it go and yeah. let nature take its course. And that is sort of this nature revitalization he takes away from it and founded a nonprofit is from what he learned in this experience that nature should take its course to his credit. <laughs> I think that's fair, but I think, yeah, he, Jake, you're totally right. He also has this like bystander guilt. A hundred percent. I think like, shut up. I, I was so entranced by the film. I was like, Oh, this is like really beautiful. It felt like watching a national geographic. Also, Alex, did you ever watch animal Planet? all this stuff? I never asked you, you really fuck with animals. This literally is in my notes. I was just like, you really fuck with animal movies. I love animal planet, our earth, planet earth. All those things. Yeah. I used to have a projector yeah. in my bedroom and we would play just like to fall asleep. We would just like put Discovery Channel or Animal Planet or something up Aww. on a projector. It was awesome. Yeah, that's really nice. I that's really, really nice. Lo- see. I thought it was a great time until he got existential artsy like too much and like did the whole like, <laughs> was this really me? Am I really the octopus? Actually, you just watched it like get. F- I don't know. It felt kind of like at that point. <laughs> But then I I still find it was a pretty beautiful documentary um, by the end. But there's just hilarious things that you notice where it's like, yeah, I'm ready to vote. Let's do it. I'll take the front on this one. Okay, Matthew. Okay, big dick. Wow. All right. I'm decided. The world shall reform itself in my opinion and image because I'm voting for Sonic. That is my defiant move. It's the greatest... It, sh- it shouldn't have even been watchable and it was actually enjoyable. That's yeah. the bar, baby. And we still haven't <laughs> talked it. about that. And here's the thing. We'll have a chance to talk about it more because I also voted for Sonic. And you know what? That's three unanimous votes for Sonic right here. This movie's moving on. Isn't that the first one in Oscar season? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The first wow. unanimous Oscar <laughs> season. <laughs> Is Sonic the Hedgehog. And that's how you really know we're the official uh, 
Yeah. Oh, but go watch my octopus teacher. It it was Incredible. an enchanting experience. Definitely. Go watch um, support documentaries and documentary filmmakers. But hey, let's get into the second half of this one. I'm really excited. I am so glad that I didn't pitch one of these movies so I can just sit back and truly feel neutral going into this conversation. My my blood is running because they're both fa- so fantastic. All right, guys. So I pitched Another Round by Thomas Vinterberg. It's a Scandinavian film that takes place in Denmark. It's dedicated to Vinterberg's late daughter. Uh, Another Round is a, about four teachers who consume alcohol on a daily basis to see how it affects their social and professional lives. This is such a fun movie, and I want to make it a formal announcement. If another round makes it to the finale, I will do it completely drunk out of my ass. I will... Wait! I I did not clear this with my co-host, as you can tell. I fully, fully, fully will do the finale drunk out of my ass. Well, because if Jake does it, then we both have to do it, too. Three levels of drunkenness exhibited in the film that uh, 0.05, the 0.10 and then the oblivion uh, level yeah. of drunkenness. One for each. One for each. And I will <laughs> be the oblivion Christ. because I said it. That's a it most, mostly mostly a joke. Yeah, mo- mostly, but oh, uh, God. as we revealed from Sonic Speed, we're very easily peer pressured into drinking together. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, but genuinely, I will, and I think it's very fun, uh, and it's a very beautiful movie. This was such a... I was so excited about this film because it's one of the few international films that also got nominated for a major category um, that like rarely happens. Uh, and it won or it got nominated for best directing and then it won the international Oscar, um, which is just so exciting because it is a very well-directed movie. I do think it should have been nominated for other things, honestly, like Mads Nicholson and all this stuff, but we can get into that later. What do you guys think of this movie? This movie was so, so good. I am such a sucker for Mads Mikkelsen. I think he is just such a fun performer to watch. Um, and he just does such an absolutely good job. I also several times throughout the movie when mostly in the scenes when they're like drunk, stumbling around, like just like having fun, you can see them cause they're in the shot together and they show you just what like an absolute unit of a man Mads Mikkelsen is. He is so tall and <laughs> enormous. Yeah, um, dude. And so I just love to see it. Love to see it. In doing a little bit of research and reading about it, um, I saw someone comment that they felt the movie was so unbelievable because Mads Mikkelsen was the lead, and they so easily could have found a more out of shape and less handsome forty, like you know, got someone to play like a forty to fifty year old drunkard. And I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> I was so blown away by how good this movie was. I love reacting to film. I love. Obviously yeah. talking about it. I've run a, <laughs> a podcast about it. And as soon as I finished this one, I hadn't it it had like been on my radar, but I hadn't gotten to it. Um so I watched it for the show for the first time. And immediately after I texted Jake, just like so by how blown away I had I had to gush about this movie. Yeah. It was so great on so many levels. And man, am I excited for the 
American English remake with Leonardo DiCaprio. Just watch I, fucking movies, dude. Watch international movies. Yeah, no reason for them to remake this movie. Uh, it's so good. Watch watch the international version. It's so, so good. Yeah. Watch the version. Just watch the version of the movie, you know? Watch the version of another round. If an American one is made, ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> On the other side of this bracket, my last pitch, we have Sound of Metal as Ruben, played by Riz Ahmed, a heavy metal drummer, begins to rapidly and aggressively lose his hearing. He has to come to grips with his newfound deafness as he pursues every avenue to return to his formal life and in attempts to rekindle his relationship with his estranged bandmate and girlfriend and about so much more yeah. in terms of the luscious sound work that goes into even trying to make an attempt at emulating deafness, at emulating hearing aids, at emulating cochlear implants. It is a wild ride of a film that touches on some really heavy topics so fantastically acted such an intimate story it was easily one of the best films i have seen in a long time and even more so easily one of the best films i saw in 2020 so it immediately had to go on my list for this um obviously i look like a little bit of a goon being the only one to nominate a movie that got nominated for best picture yeah but it was that good to me that I had to put this in the bracket. I wanted to share this with you guys as at time of picking the bracket, Jake hadn't seen the movie, but you watched it between <laughs> those two periods. <laughs> I did, so I, I couldn't let you both have the win. I'm sorry. <laughs> Which I'll accept. I was excited picking one you hadn't seen, but I knew you were going to see it soon anyway. I had planned so I was before like, I knew because of the Oscars were coming up. I will say, like, yeah. I had thought about going into this bracket if I wanted to, like, be angry that you nominated something in Best Picture. But honestly, unfortunately, the reality is this wasn't going to win Best Picture ever. This wasn't going to win pretty much any award except for sound design. Like, if it has sound in the title and it's something like this, they're going to probably <laughs> pick it because the Academy doesn't give a shit. Which is a travesty. Which is a travesty. So I'm glad that we're boosting it up more, that that it should, like, I hope more people watch this, hope more people realize how fucking amazing Riz Ahmed was. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. this this is a fantastic film. I have nothing but positive things to say about it. I have some questions about it, but more like questions just in general because I want to talk about this film more. I'm, yeah. It's going to be an interesting, interesting matchup. But Alex, what do you think? Yeah, I I also loved this movie. It just does such a good job of portraying the like vastness of the deaf community, I think, in mm-hmm. like such an interesting way. And that's community that I think is often overlooked. And this movie just does such a good job with it. And it's so well performed, well written, well directed. The sound design is incredible. Absolutely should watch it if you haven't. What I do want to say, which I promise I won't go into an essay because I totally can. Talking about Riz Ahmed's performance, mostly because I also think Mads Nicholson, like as I said before, should have been nominated for Best uh, Actor as well. Obviously, if people have watched the Oscars, even if you haven't, you probably know Anthony Hopkins won. They reorganized the Oscars to have Best Actor last. A lot of people felt and thought that Chadwick Boseman, that's the reason why they did it to like honor him and like give him the post post humorous. Posthumous, yes. I came into it really angry because I was like, oh, Chadwick should have won, like, really angry how they did it, how they've done it. And then I was like, Matthew actually texted me and he was like, oh, well, how would you have, like, thought of, like, Riz won or, like, Steven or stuff like that instead of, like, Anthony Hopkins? And it really put it in perspective for me, like, I think I would have been more okay with that genuinely because these actors, these underrepresented actors, you know, Riz was the first Muslim American nominated, like, just nominated. 
which is crazy. His performance is fucking amazing. And, you know, really good. I, I probably would have picked Minari in this category if it didn't already be nominated for Best Picture. These were beautiful, beautiful performances. And I think Riz and Mads Nicholson, I, I do want to highlight his performance because fucking wow. Really good. Super strong. And I think some of the strongest in our in our bracket in totality besides yeah. James Marston. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> friend of the show. He's going to be on soon. We're It's in the works contractual thing he's filming. Yeah, yeah. We're in we're He's in, talks. in my we're room in right now. He's just working on another project so he doesn't want to like give his talent. <laughs> yeah. no, no, it's okay, yeah. James. James, you don't have to james you don't have to come on it's okay what it, no. what you don't want me to come <laughs> what is that? that was that was me i'm ashamed to say i actually yeah. was trying to do an imitation of when you tried to do a james Marsden imitation <laughs> earlier in the episode <laughs> that's fantastic but yeah what do you guys think about these performances do you agree with me that Matt should have also been nominated like how do you feel about his performance yeah i thought he was so good i think his facial expressions for me really stood out in this movie he does he he has such an expressive face in such an interesting way and i feel like it really stood out to me in this movie the way that he was able to portray the sadness and the disconnect from his wife yeah i think that i am a a huge sucker for what in in terms of quality of performance what an actor does when they aren't speaking obviously these two highlight that so much yeah that so riz for obvious reasons he's in a movie about deafness but mads mickelson there are so many sort of quieter moments or reactive moments for both of these characters that really express the depth of their range in terms of like the strength of these performances. They're so fantastic. Yeah, it, it really, really incredible. I'd have to think a little more if I, I'd go as far to say I would have nominated or would have put Mads for a, a best actor, but definitely would have been on my short list. So I wanted to highlight, I'm glad you brought up them, not like how much they reacted basically and like, you know, like really acted without saying words because the two scenes that stood out to me uh, the most especially in comparison were the dinner scenes for both of them yeah the dinner scene with you know riz where like he keep is slowly starting to come to or realize in the beginning like oh shit i can't fucking like hear and that like rawness of, of that uh, and then with matt's that dinner scene where he's like you know before he starts drinking finally the very first like dinner this the birthday dinner the, the birthday dinner. Yeah. And it's like you, you like, you know, he's going to drink, right? You know, like you, you're in another round, like, you know, but that buildup is so like, it it's almost too long. Like, it's almost like it's for the whole ride. And then it keeps going. Yeah. It, it's one of those things that happens again and again in another round is Mads's character, Martin. Mm-hmm. he will be like interacting or, you know, around by himself. And there will be these quiet moments of him reacting to things as the allure of alcohol is just like pushed on him repeatedly. The one that sticks with me is when his friends have decided they want to drink to the point of oblivion. Yes. Yeah. And they're all making, what are they, Manhattans? Or Sazerac. No, they made Sazerac. They're making okay, Sazerac. It's blowing my mind because of New Orleans aren't parallels, but we'll talk about that after. Continue. We should make a re a re a redub of this movie where instead of Sazerac, it's Sonic Speed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> And they're basically the shots are cutting between Mads, who's silently observing, and 
his friend, um, as Nikolaj is just is uh, explaining to his friends how the Sazeracs are made and what goes into them. And you can watch as the cocktails being crafted. And it's like you can see in real time as Mads's character begins to to fold and like moisten his lips and get himself ready to drink. The way that his addiction, his alcoholism is portrayed just feels so real and so eerie yeah. that it, it's like uncomfortable for me to watch that scene is so that scene kills me because it's so tragic because he's so close to getting out of there that scene you know and like that's the tipping point that scene killed me another thing that i want to highlight is the relationships because like with lou in sound of metal when lou sings with her father and how like alienated like we feel just as long alongside with ruben she's all cleaned up it's a whole different genre i don't know there was a lack of change going on and she found she found calm without him she found the silence that he was forced to have like without him and then for another round it's like a similar like they were it's a more pot like maybe positive vaguely positive ending with their relationship how they found their like silences with i i I'm, it's hard to articulate i think silence might be the the wrong cuz yeah. it's very literal obviously in sound of metal yeah, yeah. in that sense i think it's almost purpose might mm. be sort of what you're tr- you're trying to get at because i see both of these films as being heavily ingrained in about being about purpose yeah. another round from the perspective of martin mads's character believes alcohol to become his purpose to become what is making him a better person rather than sort of searching elsewhere and sort of examining what that actually means what purpose means what is his purpose of his relationship with his wife etc whereas so it's sort of this rediscovery of the same purpose within himself that's why yeah. he you know they talk about him being a dancer throughout the film and then finally he dances at the end comparatively in sound of metal is about rediscovery, but of a new purpose. Ruben has to come to terms with who his new self is. It's why he, I think, makes the decision to pull off the cochlear implants at the end and just embrace Mm -hmm. the silence and sort of getting at the silence of Lou. She discovers purpose. It is in that time away, not necessarily by nature of being separated, but by being pushed to be independent that she sort of has to rediscover herself as well. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly that's exactly it. But also, did you know Mads Nicholson like did ballet when he was younger? Yes, he's a dancer. That was the start of his career, wasn't it? When you were talking about him being a unit, you're like, whoa. And then them being like, he can't do those. He motherfucker can do those. He was doing parkour at the end of that shit. Speaking of the endings of these movies, I think they're so they both are very, I think, purposefully bittersweet, I think. Yeah. Right. Because uh, you touched on it, Matt. But in uh, Sound of Metal, you have he and Lou kind of realize that this separation has like pulled them apart in such a serious way. And even though they still need each other, they have to. I think it's very vague in the sense of like they have to reassess what their relationship is and what they mean to each other is the way that I took it. Just want to interject. Do you think do you see it as them still needing each other? Mm. I don't think they need each other. I think it's they did at one point reassessing the need. They need to reassess their need and what their relationship is and what it means to them. Um, Because it didn't seem like it was a full breakup, you know, like she said that he saved her too. And then it's kind of vague what happens, right? Yeah. But then in another round, his wife kind of texts him that she misses him too, needs him too. But then he goes on another drinking bend. Right. And like that, the drinking bend is where he gets free. 
you know? So there's this like bittersweet, like his relationship does he go back to her. Like, does he, you know what? Ha- yeah, it's really well done. This is one of the things I most wanted to talk about, about these two films. I will try to keep this from becoming an essay from me because I think the endings of both of these films are so critical to the messages they want to convey. Absolutely. Yeah. I touched on it a little bit in talking about purpose because I and Alex expanded upon that because I do think there there is this definitively show that they sort of need to reassess it as like Ruben is like talking about returning to touring together. You can see Lou like going for and scratching at her arm. Mm hmm very clearly meant to be sort of related to relapsing on our addictions. Yeah. And so you can, the audience is clued into what the time away has really started to do for these two people. Not mm-hmm. to say that, you know, when they were together, they were using the whole time just at one point previous in their relationship, I think due to stresses and other things. Um, I believe heroin is what's implied or explicitly mentioned. Yeah, no, it's explicit. So there's like that sort of re like they require they needed each other at one point in their lives, but things have their time away has sort of forced them to have to reevaluate. Yeah. However, in another round, I don't know if it's necessarily it's certainly bittersweet, but I don't know if it's a bittersweet in the same way of like he gives in to drinking. I'm not sure that's what's happening. One of the biggest things I take in relationship to that is every other time they drink pretty much they're always there trying to encourage and push mads to dance. They keep like his friends will dance. Mm -hmm. They're being dumb and drunk Mm -hmm. and they're trying to Mm -hmm. get him to do that. It is there's, there is something different about the last time that it happens in the movie because Mads finally dances. So can I, can I interject right there and and to bring in as comparison, I think the reason is, is because he was present. They talk about him being present. The wife is like, you're not present anymore. And finally he drank, but he was present enough to dance and feel like his old self. And similarly with like Riz, like, you know, in sound of metal at the end, like, he was more present deciding his, you know, fate at that, like taking the implants out. That was him present. And these both end on like, you feel them both finally be present, but in such a different like realization, almost, I think more similar than like, than different. It's about being present. And I think that's why it's so powerful. And it's almost bittersweet because how often do we get to feel present and be conscious of it? And it's both those really Mm. intense emotional reactions to that. So much to the credit of that exact concept, Jake. That is what I hugely think is happening at the end of another round. I think it's this realization that there is a place for sobriety. There's a place for moderation and there is a place for excess. Mm-hmm. So the the movie on on a high level, obviously, is a commentary on Danish drinking culture. It is simultaneously a celebration of it and a condemnation of it. And I think it's trying to push to reexamine what those mean, because this the the last piece I want to say on on that, the sort of search for that. I don't know if it's the filmmaker's intent. <laughs> Feel free to cut this. I genuinely think that there is a connection to Aristotelian ethics. <laughs> I, I'm being serious. Of Aristotle's ethics. Because one of the things that Aristotle talks about in Nicomachean Ethics is that the life, life best lived is one in which we are sort of present and in, engaged in experience that we cannot simply learn studying the ancient philosophers. We can't simply, we have to engage and partake in life. There is a point 
in in order to live well to properly appreciate it you need to engage in pleasure you need to engage in the pursuit of different virtues those being moderation and simultaneously give in at times like these are necessary in the pursuit of a life well lived and i think that is so much of what another round is about it hmm. blew my mind yeah thinking that's, about that that's very interesting Aristotle also said that men that the reason men are more aggressive than women is because they have more teeth. Lots of things to think about. (laughs) (laughs) I have to bring up one more thing. And and then I think we should vote, even though this is very difficult. And it's more of a question. I don't know if any of you guys looked it up. I'm just genuinely curious. I was a bit like worried when I first heard sound of metal legs coming up and like whatever it was, because Uh, As someone who's able-bodied and all that, I didn't know how respectful it was or how, like, okay, people reacted to Riz. Because is Riz Ahmed is no kind of, like... He is able-bodied no, he is, as well, he right? He is not. He is not deaf. Yeah. Uh, well, I, <laughs> he is I mean, well, any, any kind of, like, yeah. So, you know, that happens a lot in Hollywood, and that's something that is, like, unfortunate. Of course, they have, like, actual deaf people in the film or other disabled people in the film, but did the reactions... Because it, I, I thought it was, like, very beautifully handled, respectful, and all that, and it's a hard story to do, like, with someone. Like, I, I don't know how you guys feel about it or if you know anything about how, how that played out. Because I do think Riz acted phenomenally and all that stuff, but it's another one of those things where it's like, yes, Eddie Redmayne did amazing as, you know, the Danish girl, but is not actually transgender, you know? Hmm. So that's just something that that I think is interesting and, and worth taking note of. I didn't look it up as much as I probably should have, but I did want to bring it up. In case you guys have, I did not do a huge ton of research, but I did a little bit of reading in some of the online deaf community. Generally, perception of the film is pretty positive to what I yeah. came across and what I read, which has to do with just sort of the kind of exposure perspective of these are a minority population and not a lot of people are necessarily exposed to. But a common point that some people brought up is that there were some people felt that it was maybe trying to tackle too wide a net of like trying to picture ah. so such a large section of what it means to be deaf in yeah. the deaf community, which is like a very hard thing to comment on without talking to more people and knowing more about that perspective. Because I think like educationally, it was super valuable to me to yeah. obviously like I understand that there are children that grow up deaf and like they have to you know, like having these role models as Ruben plays to a handful of deaf children is super, super valuable. And obviously, there are schools for the hearing impaired and there are, you know, deaf communities. Mm-hmm. But like getting insight into what that might look like is what I think was valuable. I, I it is a it's a really, a really good point that I don't know if I had properly um, put thought into when I picked this movie. Yeah, it was just something that it, like intrigued me um, because both of these like had kind of like negative-ish that I saw like one people had a reading that another round was celebrating alcoholism and then like in Sound of Metal is like, you know, you have an able body actor and like, where's the line between education and re- representation, you know, like you were kind of alluding to and I just mm-hmm. think those are both interesting things to compare about these two films and stuff that like is very similar with, with how these films were shown and how people react to them. I think we should vote. But I have no idea what I'm going to vote for. I could 
talk about these two movies for so long. <laughs> I could talk about these. These are genuinely fantastic. This this easily could have been a finale. These two for going sure, up. For sure. Wow. I really encourage. I know I've said this almost every single. I guess I didn't say it for the la- the Sonic vs. Bioxymus. But <laughs> genuinely, please go watch Sound of Metal. Genuinely, please go watch another round. Whoever makes it, please, please watch these movies. If anything, for this silly, silly Oscar season bracket, watch these movies. I, I want to echo that. I'm just repeating Jake at this point. But man, these are are two super, super fantastic movies. I know, you know, Sound of Metal, one of these sort of gets less familiar of the best picture picks. Go watch it. But another round, I know for some people being a foreign film in a foreign language. So having to deal with subtitles, some people don't really like. But please watch both of these films. There's no reason for you guys not to watch these movies. They're all so easy to watch that every single movie that's on that's in our bracket is either on Netflix, Hulu or Amazon Prime Video. There is no reason not to watch these these movies. They're really, really, really great films. I know what you guys are thinking. You guys are like crossing your fingers, your toes or whatever. You want another round to get it because you want to see me fucked, hopefully for a finale. <laughs> if it makes it past the semis, we really don't know. But you guys want to see me absolutely fucking obliterated because I will keep true to my promise. That's just for the listeners for a tease. Maybe if Jake is so drunk and easily convinced, we'll live stream the whole thing. Oh, God, I I probably would be. (laughs) That'd be really funny. I'll go first. I'll do it. I will vote for another round. Skull. There we go. Hell (laughs) yeah. Skull for Jake. Skull. I am also voting for another round. And despite pitching it, only one movie in this bracket. Let me talk about Nikamaki and Ethics. <laughs> Let me talk about Aristotelian <laughs> philosophy. And that's another round. It's moving on, baby. Ooh, is that wow. another unit? Wow, this is a stacked side of this bracket. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, we, we go from what could have been a final of Sound of Metal versus another round into what could have been a final with Sonic versus another Dude, round. there are such fun things to compare about these movies that's, like, really awesome, actually, that I already thought of. We have been talking about alcohol and James Marsden since our first bracket. It was destined to be. Wow, and only one can move on to the finale. How sad. Yeah, heartbreaking. Unless Ghost Rider comes in from the top <laughs> rope, <laughs> enters the bracket. <laughs> Oh, my God. All right, guys. Thanks for so much for listening. Follow us on all the socials, you know, Twitter, Instagram, uh, at Tough Cut Pod. Like, you know, comment on us. Were you surprised that Matthew pitched Sonic? Were you even more surprised it moved on? You shouldn't be if you know (laughs) us. (laughs) And if you make Sonic Speed, tweet us a picture if you're of legal drinking age. Please make Sonic Speed if you send us. And drink responsibly, please. We'll give you a shout out if you make Sonic Speed. Even if it's just Blue Hawaiian Punch and we can't even tell, still give you a shout out. <laughs> I may remake Sonic Speed and drink it for the... Again, if if it makes if it Sonic to the finale. If Sonic gets into the finals, you'll drink Sonic Speed the whole time. If another round makes it to the finals, you'll just be drunk. I'll also drink Sonic Speed the whole time. <laughs> Follow us um, on all your favorite podcatchers. We release episodes weekly. Catch us every Monday. Tell somebody about the show if you liked it. And if you didn't like it, you have to tell two people. (laughs) Well, no, don't tell more people that you didn't like the show. (laughs) Make your pets listen to our podcast. Make your pets. Ignore your son. Talk to your pets. (laughs) 
ignore your children, embrace the octopus. Wait, doesn't another rat also ignore children? There's a lot of stuff to go on, man. You know? Oh, there's so much more to talk about. (laughs) Bye, (laughs) y'all. Don't forget to subscribe.